0: Welcome back to Cobbler's Gulch. Episode 10 Pirates, Fairies, and a Giant Albatross After returning from their rendezvous with the double-ended screeching soil serpent, Oz Hazel and Wolf return to the Scrimshanks in Cobbler's Gulch, where the orphans thank Wolf for the assist and the escort, and then they all three go their separate ways. Oz returns to Huffnagels, Wolf beelines to Three Fingers Tavern, and Hazel, she makes her way to the port of a thousand albatross, where she knows she'll find Gruff and Copper. Gruff and Copper make the most sense when it comes to capturing a fairy. Not that pirates are especially good at fairy-catching. They aren't. Pirates, however, do know their way around a port, and more importantly, a pirate ship. ARMY HARDY! Where albatross often nest in the topmasts. And in an albatross nest, there's likely to be an albatross egg. And the egg will be essential if any fairies are to be found. Catching a fairy is not easy. By nature, fairies delight in mischief and mystery, which might explain why the now empty field of grape blossoms has, until recently, been so very well tended. Hazel and her uncertain origins probably amuse the local fairy. Some creatures are moved by loyalty and devotion, others are excited by faith and trust, but fairies, well... They're moved by uncertainty, by possibility, by the wonder of what might happen next. This affinity for uncertainty has preoccupied fairies with eggshells. Eggs are the haunts of babies, of beasts who've yet to be, of creatures who are nothing more than uncertainties in waiting, enigmas yet to unfold. Once a beast or creature hatches, fairy's relish, luxuriating in that space and its ambiguous energy. It's uncommon to come across a fairy at all, but in the event that a fairy encounter does take place, it's not uncommon to see the little sprite coming or going from a hatched eggshell. Of all the varieties of eggshells, the albatross eggshell is a fairy's first choice, hands down. The albatross, with all of its associated pirate superstition and lore, make a lovely pairing with the mischievous affairs of a fairy. Added to this, the eggs of a cobbler's gulch albatross, being larger than all other albatross eggs, about the size of a small melon, make for roomy fairy accommodations. A fairy can really stretch out, can really relax inside that eggshell. And Hazel knows all of this. But her familiarity with the ins and outs of a pirate ship where the albatross make their nests, a quality unique to the Cobbler's Gulch albatross, since all others make their nests on land, well, her familiarity is limited. Sure, she's seen the ships in the port, but she's never spent time on one. She doesn't know the captain's quarters from the hindquarters of the messman.
1: man. Mm. Ah, I met you her, then a hound dog and a flea circus.
0: She needs honest-to-goodness pirates for that kind of know-how and Gruff and Copper, being pirate orphans, are as close as she's going to get. Hazel spies them at the far end of the wharf, where the bunkum Barge is docked. The bunkum Barge is a flat-bottomed wood raft, overflowing with rubbish and refuse, Eww. fish guts and sea serpent scales, Yuck. all of the waste of the port that's ferried out to sea once the odor becomes too dizzying, too disgusting to ignore.
2: Gross.
0: As Hazel approaches, neither Copper nor Gruff notice her, because they're both so absorbed by their game of knuckle bones. Pirates play knuckle bones out at sea to pass the time. The game is, as the word suggests, played with knuckle bones. The bones usually come from livestock, whatever was the previous night's dinner, or sometimes the knuckle bones come from a pirate who made a foolish bet. Heads or tails? I'm a head sort of a fella. Uh oh. Or in some cases, they came from a pirate who got a little too cocky when he approached a barracuda that had been hauled up onto the deck. Ow! Ouch! Ow! Ow! Knuckle bones is simple. Drop a handful of knuckle bones on the deck. Snatch one, toss it in the air, and, all with one hand, sweep up as many of the knuckle bones as possible before catching the original knuckle bone. It makes for quick hands, which prove valuable in swordplay. Not to mention that it makes for toughness, since the winner of each round is allowed a single throw of his knuckles against the jawbone of the loser. This makes pirate sense. If you have slow hands, you better be able to endure pain. Pulling a pirate away from the mad throws of a hot game of knuckle bones usually takes a captain's orders. Batten
2: down
1: the hatches!
0: The black eye of a storm. Or the colors of an enemy ship a few leagues out.
1: We'll fly the Jolly Roger all the way to Davy
0: Jones' locker! but Hazel offers something even more beguiling to Gruff and Copper.
2: Either of you two swabs fancy a chance to shake your bad luck?
0: The question catches Gruff just as he tosses a knucklebone into the air. Distracted, he lets it drop to the ground while he and Copper stand frozen, thinking on the weight of Hazel's offer. Once the knucklebone drops, Copper wallops Gruff with an uppercut. (laughs) Copper did, after all, win that round. Immediately, Copper helps Gruff to his feet, because, hey, even pirates have etiquette.
1: What you be knowing about luck, Hazel?
0: I know it's
2: not tilted in your favor.
1: Bah! You could set your sails by our luck.
2: If a ship's sails were set by your luck, it would sink.
1: Sink, did you say?
2: Like a rock.
1: It says you. Our luck points true north.
2: True north?
0: Copper and Gruff look at each other, the cracks in their confidence starting to show.
1: Well, um, true enough. Well...
0: Hazel's about to make her case when she's interrupted by the croak of an approaching pirate. Stand clear, you jinxes. It's Mr. Gizzards, the scream of the sea's cook. He's all beard and belly, and he carries two heavy wooden pails. Let me be bout my business without either of your evil eyes chilling me bones. I'm Mr.
1: Gizzards. I'm Mr. Gizzards.
0: Both of them look away and step aside, allowing Mr. Gizzards a path to the bunkum barge, where he dumps his pails of rubbish. Then the old swab straightens his collar, which is believed to bring good luck in the face of bad. And then he wobbles back to his ship. Copper and Gruff hang their heads, the public shaming almost too much to bear. It takes everything in Hazel not to ask why they're so berated as bad luck charms. But it's bad enough to be regarded that way. It's even worse to talk about it. To numb the pain, they let it out in bursts of coated anger.
1: I'll be running a harpoon through that bearded octopusy. <laughs> Aye, but not if I spy kind mechanic sights ahead of you.
0: Each of these assaults contains a clue to the bad luck origins of these wee pirates. To explain, Gruff prefers octopuses when it comes to insults, since he resents octopuses with all of his being. After all, an octopus is the cause of his bad luck. His mother, was called Salty Minerva Badger. Yes. And she was the captain of the Ivory Barnacle. Feared and respected, she was one of the most successful pirates to ever sail the mellifluous sea. A daring, beautiful pirate <laughs> with sable hair that stretched to the deck when released from its bun. She married her first mate, Diabolito de Soto, and became pregnant with Gruff soon after. But after Diabolito's head was plucked off by a giant white octopus... Minerva swore revenge and left Gruff in the care of the orphanage, for fear that his infant head might also be plucked off by the giant white octopus. Salty Minerva never returned, and it had been rumored for some time that the octopus had plucked her head off too, and it came off fairly easily, leveraged by her beautiful sable hair. Because of this, Gruff is deemed bad luck, certain to draw the ire of the giant white octopus. Similarly, Copper's desire to put a cannonball through Mr. Gizzard's gizzards betrays Copper's storied history with cannonballs, all of which come by way of gossiping mermaids, or so the story goes. His mother was a passenger on the Willowaw's Revenge after she'd been saved from a Goozler ship. (laughs) She fell in love with a pirate on board. Copper never knew either of their names. But his mother gave birth to him between the cannons on the ship, making Copper an honest-to-goodness son of a gun. After Copper was born, the captain ordered a cannon be shot to mark the occasion. But the cannon misfired, and the cannonball blasted right through the hull of the ship. The whole thing sank, crew and all. As baby Copper began to plummet into the sea's depths, an albatross, mistaking the babe for a large cod, dived in and hooked him by the diaper. Upon scooping him out of the sea and taking flight, the albatross realized its mistake. Just as pirates are superstitious in their dealings with albatross, so are albatross superstitious in their dealings with pirates. And so the albatross, taking a cue from its cousin the stork, left baby Copper on the doorstep of the orphanage, condemning him to a life marked by misfire and sunken ships. A pirate crew is a superstitious bunch. Both Copper and Gruff were outfitted with mermaid pendants at birth. A piece of glass and a comb of bones, respectively. Each thought to bring good luck, and they had never once taken them off. But mermaid pendants or no, once a pirate has been tossed overboard as a bad luck charm. Well, that's a stink that can't be scrubbed. Not by the baleen bristles of a humpbacked flogglesop, nor by the thigh whiskers of Madame Drax. Still, any pirate branded bad luck will forever dispute that the bad luck has found hearth and home in his bones. To prove otherwise, he'll say anything, claim anything, do anything, which is what Hazel is counting on. As they gather up their knuckle bones, Hazel launches back into her pitch.
2: Harpoons or cannonballs won't change your luck, but you know what will?
1: Don't be raising simple questions. Yeah, I speak your piece.
2: Can either of you climb a topmast?
1: Which one? It's no matter. Any pirate worthy thought makes quick work of the topmast.
2: Then swiping an albatross egg should only take a wink or two longer.
0: The faces of the pirate orphans go as pale as a whitewashed wall. Hazel loses all the momentum she's gained since Mr. Gizzards took his leave.
1: Why why would we want to be meddling with an albatross?
2: For an eggshell. We
1: can't be burgling eggshells. They're enchanted, that they is.
2: I hope so. If they weren't enchanted. What good would the eggshell be?
1: Ruffling the feathers of an albatross would dump a heap of bad luck on our heads.
2: Do you mean more bad luck? Your heads are big ones, to be sure. But I don't see how much more luck could fit on top of them. Even good
0: luck. Gruff and Copper look at each other, craning and swiveling their necks to get a good once-over at each other's heads.
1: No, no. We will not be feasting at this bad luck smorgasbord, okay? Thank you.
0: With that... Gruff and Copper start another game of knucklebones. But Hazel isn't done with her appeal.
2: There's no risk in it.
1: There's bad luck in it.
2: There's another side of luck. A side that leads to good fortune.
0: Ah, it says you.
2: All right, well, I'll have to settle on a different scheme for saving that fairy.
0: Another knucklebone drops to the floor. And another silence falls upon Gruff and Copper. Until. <laughs> Copper gives Gruff another throttling and immediately helps him to his feet.
1: What, um, would you be mumbling about
0: fairies? It would take an eternity to convince a pirate to accept the risk of albatross tampering, but justifying fairy rescue for the undeniable good fortune it will yield only takes a wink or two. And one minute after Hazel explains her plan, Gruff and Copper have ushered her past fishermen, past pirates, and past circus performers to a dock where they lower themselves into the icy waters of the port. One minute after that, they swim to the starboard side of the scream of the sea, shimmy up the rope of the anchor, squeeze through an open porthole, and jump down into the empty captain's quarters. One minute after that, they duck and crawl and scamper past barrels and crates, tiptoe past drunk pirates sleeping it off in the brig as well as past Mr. Gizzard's filling more buckets of rubbish. Yarr. And they wind and weave through the labyrinthine hull of the ship before finally ascending the rickety steps that lead to the main deck, where they can access the main sail. One minute after that, the three of them hang from the wobbly ladder that leads to the topmast, after having climbed for some time. After all, the Scream of the Sea is a mighty ship, Hazel argues that she can retrieve the egg herself, now that they've escorted her to the ladder. But neither Gruff nor Copper will hear of such nonsense. They want all the good fortune coming their way. In for a fairy, in for a fortune. One minute after that, the three of them crest the lip of the albatross nest, wherein a single albatross chick (laughs) chirps from the cradle of its recently hatched shell. Far less than a minute after that, the three of them are airborne. They've been plucked from the nest by the mother albatross, her powerful beak threading their collars by the way of their sleeves with the precision of a master seamstress. As the majestic bird stretches her wings and catches the updraft of an icy, mellifluous sea wind, the orphans dangle like a curtain from its rod. And one minute after that, in which time the albatross has circled the circumference of the port three times, she lets loose of the orphans, dropping them in the putrid heaps of the bunkum barge. One second after that, nothing hurts but their pride and their sense of self-worth. Mr. Gizzards is there to toss two more buckets of rubbish top their heads, stacking them each to the chin. You jinxes ought to stay in the bunkum where you belong. Ah! Hazel reaches into her hair, making sure the last lilt blossom is still weaved into her curls. It is, and she breathes easily.
1: Hazel, bad luck begets bad luck. You you might have, you know, heeded a warning. Lady Luck has tied an anchor to our cursed souls, and she's fastened a knot that can't be untied.
2: Maybe you ought in trifle with untying untieable knots. Why not just cut the rope?
1: Hmm, Says you. It ain't so easy, Hazel. Pirates are either lucky or unlucky. There be no such thing as a no-luck pirate. Aye. It's better to be a no-luck pirate than, than no such thing.
0: At last, Hazel understands their position. Like them, she's under the threat of a similar fate. Without the Lilt Blossoms, she feels she too will be no such thing.
2: Maybe someday your luck will turn.
1: And why would it be doing turns?
2: I don't know. I guess it's just something to hope for.
1: Well, hope? Ugh. Hope being even trickier, wench, than Lady Luck. Oi, nothing be truer than that.
0: Hazel thinks their take on hope isn't far off. Because she herself has only one hope left. Thanks for listening. On the next Cobbler's Gulch, Hunchback Facts and Fancy. In the meantime, rip a page from the fairy playbook and seek out uncertainty. Of course, you wouldn't want every day to be uncertain. You are, after all, only human, and too much uncertainty would make you go off like a frog in a sock. But a little uncertainty, that's good for the soul. Because that's where living is done. So go on. Take a few steps toward uncertainty you'll hear your heart thump like it's never thumped before.